0: Wednesday, February 16th, 2022, and welcome to another episode of the Purple and and Bold Podcast from the Daily News Record, where each week we discuss James Madison University sports. I'm Shane Metlin, here with Noah Fleischman, we're your JMU beat writers at the DNR. Uh, Sports editor Cody Elliott's not with us today, but Noah and I have got a lot to talk about. Uh, I guess we'll start with some conference realignment drama. It continues, uh, semi-related to JMU this time, JMU fans... Already spent years kind of wondering if if and when the Dukes were going to end up in the FBS and uh, searching for a conference, going through a messy breakup with their previous conference, the CAA. And now they can kind of sit back and watch uh, those other teams joining the Sun Belt with them uh, go through some similar stuff because Old Dominion, Marshall, Southern Miss, uh, their exit from Conference USA is getting uh, complicated and messy and tense. And I don't know how many other ways you want to describe it, Noah.
1: Well, I guess the best way you could put it is some of these teams, I guess, could win two conferences next year because a Conference USA put out their schedule and they put all three teams on there. And I saw other teams and Conference USA kind of playing fun with it, putting, like, when they released their schedule, just putting the like question mark next to this, those games. So it's kind of funny to watch right now because these two kind of sides are kind of arguing over the same thing that they've been arguing
0: about for the past few weeks now. Yeah, and you mentioned that with the other teams putting out their conf- their uh, schedules. UA Bay was one that kind of had some fun with it. They're not sticking with Conference USA either, so I think they're, they're able to have some fun with it, but they know they've got some time before they go because they're waiting for the Dominoes to fall in the Big 12 um, before they head to the American. But Sunbelt wants to get going with what they have uh, this summer ahead of the 2022-23 school year and they're working really hard to get that done, but uh, Conference USA is not letting them go without a fight. It, it, it's, it's it's sort of crazy they put out that sk- schedule with those teams on before anything was resolved, and kind of goes to show what uh, you know people at Marshall and ODU and places that said that they're just not even willing to sit down and talk this through with them. Um, so it, I can't imagine they're not getting uglier, as the Sun Belt has said they're putting out their schedule March 1st. That, that's their date, and apparently that's the date they've, put out the schedule for several years now. That's the date they've set. Everybody anticipates ODU, Marshall, Southern Miss being on that schedule along with JMU. JMU uh, sources told me they're playing in Sun Belt. They don't know for sure if it's going to be 11 or 14 teams in the league, but they're playing in Sun Belt. So JMU fans can sit back and watch this with a little bit of a chuckle. Not knowing they're not going through the drama this time, even though they've had their own with CA and everything, but it, it, it's, it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this in college sports.
1: Yeah, I think it's been a kind of interesting time. I mean, it's not a really good time to be a, a commissioner of a conference because you have Conference USA drama going on. You had the CIA drama already from the fall. And then if you look around, you have Stony Brook having some issues, and other, maybe not Stony Brook, but there's a lot of other conferences that are also having their same issues. And I wouldn't want to be a conference commissioner right now because, you know, like the Horizon League, who ended up reversing <coughs> what they were going to like ban. Um, one of their schools from playing, but I mean, not a good time to be a conference
0: commissioner. Yeah, you mentioned Stony Brook. They, they now, along with JMU, are the only two teams that are moving conferences that aren't eligible for the postseason tournaments because The Horizon, they reversed their decision. They're letting Illinois Chicago back in. Um, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen with the CAA to reverse anything. The American East, where Stony Brook is leaving for the CAA may have time to make a change now if they're feeling any pressure on that, but I, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, I think you got to commend the Horizon League, even as uh, as <laughs> as tense or uh, pointed as their statement about reversing that decision was towards uh, the University of Illinois-Chicago uh, administration. They ultimately did something that helps out the athletes at those schools. So you got you to gotta, uh, give them a pat on the back for making the right decision, you know, even if they were maybe strong-armed into it a little bit but the uh, the conference usa stuff it's just, i <laughs> don't even know exactly where to begin um you know I, you go back to october november of last year when jmu was basically being courted by two conferences conference usa and sunbelt and you know, there were rumors at the time that the Sunbelt did not handle things well with JMU, like putting some ultimatums on them, deadlines that JMU wasn't prepared to meet about making the decision, which ultimately led to JMU like saying, okay, Sunbelt's the place for us, you know, especially if ODU and Marshall are coming along. Um, this kind of just leads, lends a lot of credence to those rumors that were happening at the time that. You know, you can see you know, maybe the Sunbelt office isn't the, or the the excuse me, Conference USA office isn't the easiest one to work with if you uh, see what's happening with them now and uh putting out a full schedule with teams that don't intend on playing in their league next year.
1: Yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen when the Sunbelt puts out their schedule and if they put Marshall and ODU and Southern Miss on their schedule, then that's gonna get very interesting.
0: Yeah, and I, I would think I don't know if things are going to get resolved in the next two weeks. I'm sure lawyers are making a lot of money right now, uh, (laughs) racking up the billable hours into uh, all hours of the night at this point because there's a little bit of a deadline for these teams that are involved with the Sun Belt that want to have this released on March 1st, which is coming up faster than – it's hard hard to believe we're almost already in March, but it – will they be able to put out a schedule on time? I don't know because you would think they would want to have things resolved, but – Uh, the intentions for those three schools to play in the Sunbelt have been declared. Uh, The Sunbelt commissioner, Keith Gill for, for his part, you know, he's kind of keeping a low profile in this. He's deflecting questions about those three schools a little bit. And I know they, they've got schedule alternatives ready to go. And I would think conference USA has an alternative schedule without those three teams ready to go. But, you know, they're really kind of putting their foot down by, Saying, hey, no, you know what? Uh, ODU, you're not playing JMU on Thanksgiving weekend. It's actually uh, going to be Louisiana Tech. Uh, that is not the plan for ODU. I can tell you that. Like in their offices, like they've not been planning on playing those games. And it's uh, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Just that that level of uh, contentiousness and you know putting things out there before anything is resolved is I haven't seen that before from a league office.
1: No, but it puts, the, it puts the Sunbelt in kind of a weird situation now because now you have conferences you say with their schedule out and they're kind of like, you know, we're not letting these schools leave. So now, I mean, Sunbelt's going to have to kind of wait for the lawyers to, to figure out what the deal is because if they also say they're coming to us, then you're going to have two conferences arguing together instead of three schools in one conference. You'll have three schools in two conferences, and that could get a little more messy.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. Do you have a prediction on what we what we see? Do we see anything before March 1st? Maybe maybe the Sunbelt uh, delays putting out there schedule might be a prudent thing to do as opposed to Conference USA Um, maybe it's all worked out by March 1st I don't know what would you predict ends up happening here this spring
1: I mean when we talked to Keith Gill a few weeks ago when he came to JMU and he he sounded pretty confident that March 1st was going to happen and that was even with those three schools in limbo and now the limbo kind of got publicly put out there so I think we'll have a thing situation resolved on March 1st I don't know if that means the Sun Belt can at least Release schedule or like say here's when we're going to release a schedule and they get a better timetable on how long this thing's gonna take. But if this thing takes, I don't know, till May, teams are trying to you know know what the schedule is, try to sell more tickets, and and that'll definitely help. But I don't know. I think we have an answer by March first. Whether that's positive or negative for the Sun Belt, to be determined. But I think we'll have an answer.
0: Yeah, and how much do you think this does matter for JMU? Because, I mean, like I said, they can sit back and watch a little bit, but they they want to be playing ODU and Marshall, especially next year. Uh, those, are, those are the rivalries that kind of drove this whole thing. Um, you know, what do you think it means for JMU if it doesn't happen on time or on schedule the way they've anticipated 2022 going?
1: I think JMU will still, I don't know, because if you look at it like this, the geographic landscape of the Sunbelt would be kind of, it wouldn't really be that kind of JMU having to go down farther south rather than having two teams close to it with ODU and Marshall. And then you have App State and Coastal Carolina kind of all the closest schools. But I think that JMU would be pretty confident because even if these three schools can't come this year, they're coming in 2023. So it would be a one-year thing if, even if they didn't come over to the Sunbelt right away.
0: Yeah, it, it could be a rough year, like just yeah. as far as travel goes. I mean, football is football. Um, playing a few more out-of-division games – is not the end of the world for one year, but when but, you're
1: baseball taking yeah, a bus to Louisiana or something.
0: yeah, yeah, or you know, like you end up you know chartering more flights to you know Texas and Louisiana and stuff for basketball games than you anticipated because you know you really thought you were going to have that full Eastern division for these other sports that that could be that could be a tough thing for even just a, a year a school year um, so you know I think it's going to be it's going to be a fight because you know. If I had to predict something, you know, I I have my own like hesitations about how powerful ESPN's become in all of this and their ability to manipulate things. But ESPN wants these schools in the Sun Belt next year. Conference USA is working with far less powerful TV partners. So if I had to put money on one side to win this battle, I think I'd be the one's with decided with ESPN at this point, you know. And, and you know, we've talked so much about ESPN being a bonus and a plus for JMU in this because their teams are going to be able to able to be seen on TV and on a a more accessible streaming service. So it'll be interesting to see also, I guess maybe a network partner be able to uh throw a little muscle around behind, you know, the schools, um, which, you know, a lot of these teams haven't really experienced in a while, being in Conference USA and CAA, were arguably arguably um, two of the conference's worst positioned as far as, you know, TV partners and media partners things have gone the last few years.
1: So you're not a fan of Flow Sports?
0: <laughs> Flow Sports is... <laughs> It's fine in some ways, but I mean, we just, I mean, this has been hashed out over and over again, but if you're offering a product and you're charging more than your competitors for less content, like it's not going to work out for you. Like you just, you can't really, uh, run your business that way. It it's, uh, yeah. Like I said, ESPN has too much power at all of this, but if you're the CA, you're not changing that <laughs> with your stance on, you know, I, I committed them at the time for not, you're really just bending over for ESPN but you know you're not going to win that fight at some point you got to do better than flow sports to make your stuff available to your fans and you know JMU you finally's getting out of that situation it's
1: only four letters so easy to remember yeah easier to find.
0: yeah and I mean <laughs> not to make a whole podcast about ESPN and full <laughs> sports and everything but you know it wasn't just an ESPN versus Flow Sports situation. JMU's entire argument the whole time with the CAA was, hey, if it comes down to it, we'd rather just do this ourselves than partner with Flow Sports and make it more difficult for our fans to find our games. And to, you know, <clears throat> bring somebody else into the to the mix when we're doing okay advertising wise and everything. And you know, there 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 were other options and it they chose the one that uh JMU ultimately couldn't live with, and they ultimately aren't going to live with it anymore because they're heading to Sunbelt and ESPN, and uh, for the most part, I think that's going to be an extremely good move for the school.
1: No, for sure. I mean, Sunbelt next year for JMU is a confirmed. The other three schools, question mark for now. But you know what? I think it happens. Shane, you think it happens. I guess we'll live and learn and find out uh
0: yeah and the other thing we're finding out is that espn and tv and streaming is not the only factor in the exposure that comes with moving to FBS for jmu uh maybe i was too old to put this together but uh, you know you know you're, you're a younger guy still. So how big a deal is the new ea sports uh video game college football video game that's going to be out i think in 2023 how big is the deal is that coming back and how big a deal is that for JMU that they're going to be completely in this game they're going to be it's not just like oh yeah I'll pick an FCS team in a generic stadium with generic logo and everything no JMU Bridge Four Stadium everything's going to be the same it's going to be the same opportunity to play as JMU as it is to play at Virginia Tech or USC or any uh, conf- any, any any FBS team in the country how big a deal is that for JMU as far as exposure goes? It's something that I hadn't really considered as part of the whole FBS move. But after writing that story yesterday, um, it seems like something people are monumentally excited about.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a good move because now you're going to have kids playing at home and they're going to be like, oh, JMU. They're going to put JMU on the map kind of more than what it is. It's already kind of a well-known program, but you know, a kid in California might not know what JMU is until he plays against it on – on the video game. But I also think it's good for the team just because now they can go and they can go play as themselves. And I saw a couple of the assistants kind of talked about that and really just like, you know, that's something these guys dream of and most of them don't really get that until you get to the NFL and you can play with yourself in Madden. Now if EA Sports bring back college football, they're going to get it earlier. And, you know, I think they're going to have fun with it. You might even be seeing, like, guys when when this comes out, seeing what their ranking is on EA Sports. You see it in the NFL all the time where they look at their Madden ranking like, why am I 68 I should be 88 or whatever you're gonna be seeing that now with with you know different guys on the field at JMU and it's gonna be kind of funny to watch and maybe that can turn into a story of do you think your ranking is good or not
0: yeah yeah that, that was already being discussed yesterday I think I think it was Diamante Tucker Dorsey who tweeted something it might have been somebody else but said hey I better be at least an 80 on this thing <laughs> <laughs> like and, and I agree yeah he's a good player he should be he should be at right rate, rate pretty high up there and uh, you know a JMU bas- basketball player, to Molson, tweeted last night, li- pretty late last night. He's like, I- I'm creating myself and I'm playing as JMU. <laughs> and you know he he was a uh, standout high school quarterback, and th- so that's kind of funny to see him. They talk about playing the game as himself. Um, yeah, everybody's gonna have fun. I think it's gonna be fun for fans, every- everything else. But I also kind of wonder about you know just recruiting. You, you know, high school kids middle school kids they play this game they're gonna grow up seeing JMU as one of the big time programs that's available which wasn't the case you know 10 years ago when people were playing this game if I was a recruit I think like you know if an assistant coach from JMU up calls me up and starts you know kind of recruiting me a little bit I think one thing I might do is like get on the game and play as the schools who have been talking to me and see what it's like I mean I think I would be considering that I and mean, it's gotta be you know you definitely want to be in it as opposed to not being in it. I think at this point to, to just to, you know, solidify yourself as you know one of those.
1: Yeah, welcome to recruiting in 2023. And when, when you tell them we can put you on a video game, and you know maybe maybe that works. Maybe yeah. Not. Also, i wonder how much you is going to make off of this.
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there'll be something, and you know, it'll be interesting to see like what, how the NIL stuff all plays into it because that's yeah. why it's coming back is because now
1: they can they can license the actual names rather than having number 88. Yeah, they're not
0: going to get sued about any of that stuff. The the, you know, the abandoned case has been, you know, settled for the most part. Um, they can bring this back. It'll be interesting to see I guess how much players end up kind of profiting off of this and, you know, maybe maybe somebody ends up being a star as a video game <laughs> as maybe more than they are on the field almost, you know. I'm old enough to remember you know, the old Tecmo Bowl where Bo Jackson was unstoppable. And that was like a huge thing, like that Bo Jackson was unstoppable in Tecmo Bowl. Um, And guys like, you know, him and Christian Okoye were even better players in that game than they were on the field. They were good players on the field. Um, And it it really kind of raised their profile as like stars. And, you know, maybe that begins to happen, too, at the college level with, you know, players and, uh, you know, It'll be it'll be really interesting to see how it ends up affecting JMU and other schools as they get closer to actually releasing that game. It, it'll be it'll be fun to see all that.
1: Yeah, no, unfortunately, I'm not kind of old enough to remember that. I didn't, I yeah. didn't play that
0: game. Yeah, no, that that's an old one. That's uh, <laughs> that that's the original Nintendo one. So that's a uh, that that's a ways back. But uh, yeah, are you going to buy the game when it comes out? To, uh, what, what consoles do you play with? You yeah, you're going to have to be the uh, office expert on. The I'll be the office games.
1: expert on uh, NCAA 2023, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll be playing it. I'll have to uh, go buy it and, and see what it. But it's like you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this will help me prepare. You know, week to week, thinking about you know who Jamie's going to play the following week. You just play the game and see what happens, and you can do like a little projection based on <laughs> NCAA. Yeah,
0: and I, yeah, I mean, we could do that. Yeah, <clears throat> it'll be it'll be really interesting to see because you could go back to the heyday of that franchise the ea ncaa franchises um from back in the early 2000s they had basketball games they even had a baseball game i think for a year or two so do we get back to that point do are we going to see the atlantic union bank center as you know rendered onto a popular video game will there be you know a softball game at some point where you know jmu might be like you know take take the darlings of the college world series all the way to the title and you know throwback odyssey alexander you know Download her into the game. Like the the possibilities are kind of endless. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see where it all ends up going. It, it should be it should be a lot of fun. Even, you know, almost as much fun as the uh, the actual uh sports themselves. I think at times.
1: Yeah, you know, if EA is listening to this, Shane's got all the ideas. So just, just hit him <laughs> up, and uh, yeah, he's got you know NCAA probably swimming up next. You know. Yeah, I mean,
0: okay, when <laughs> when, when you launch the NCAA softball. Video game. Who else should be on the cover? But Odyssey Alexander at this point. I mean, she's got to be on the cover, right? If it if it happens anytime in the next four or five years, like, got you got you to gotta put her on the cover of that one. And uh, you know, Odyssey can thank me for all the money that comes her way because I'm putting that idea out there. Maybe you can get a cut. Yeah, I don't know. If CC listens to this, but that would be awesome if she did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talk a little bit about softball. There, we'll we'll go to the other bat and ball sport here at uh, JMU because they're getting started a little sooner than softball. Baseball team, I don't know if I'd say high expectations, but there's some anticipation for what they're going to do this year with the t- players they have, and they're starting out at Florida State. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they get out of that series, Whether, depending on win and losses and things like that. It will, I don't know how, how things will go.
1: Yeah, I mean, Florida State's the top 15 team in the country starting off, and that's a, a tough task to, to go into, uh, into Tallahassee and playing a game there. But you know what? They're going to have three games. Maybe they come out with one win, maybe they come out with two wins or or something, but I think the the best case scenario for them is they they want to come out with two wins,
0: yeah that yeah, if they could win the series, that would be huge I mean that's kind of what it comes down to in college baseball is you know winning those weekend series, you know especially um especially when you take a look at the way they say we we we're all non conference series this year like. It doesn't really matter that we're getting into CA play at some point. It's all non-conference series for them, and you just want to win the two out of three as many times as you can for baseball, you know, and softball. At this point, you know that that's the way it's going to work, and even even getting one, I think, at Tallahassee would be huge. Oh, yeah. you know, just to see you know where things go, but um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. How, how they do even even if they're just competitive that would be a good start to the season for them i think you know if they if they're in the games late
1: yeah yeah I think
0: yeah I' get a little feedback here hopefully we'll get our mics worked out but before we wrap up here working on Noah's mic but um like I said you know if they can if they can get two or Going back, we're getting we're getting kind of crazy here. I was trying to think figure, if, I think figure if out they can, If situation. they can
1: get one win in Tallahassee to start the year, I think that's a, a great start for JMU, and and especially that it's a team that is only picked to finish fifth, I think, in the CIA. And I mean, they have one of the top, maybe the top college prospect in the in the country with Chase Slodder in center field. And they have a deep pitching staff this year, so it, I think one win is a good start. Two wins. I think they'd take, but I think one win or, and at least playing competitive from the other two and not getting blown out. I think I think they'll take that going into next week and and coming back to JMU and having a four games here next week.
0: Okay. So what do you want to see from them after Tallahassee? Cuz they could go 0-3 in that series okay. very very easily and that doesn't necessarily derail anything for them. It doesn't necessarily say anything negative about them what what they have and what their ability to be competitive this year is. what, what do you want to see after that? If if they go one and two or zero oh and three in that series, beyond winning some games, what do you want to see from their from the baseball team here in the early goings, February, early March?
1: No, I think the biggest thing to look at is how they're going to approach the starting pitching with like using two starters per game and seeing how that really works because they haven't really done that before. So they're going to take a starting pitcher, let him go through two times for the order, and then have another guy ready to go, and he's already been told like going into the game that he's going to be the second guy off the bench. So the first two guys on the mound already know that they're going to be playing. And then after that they throw it to the bullpen. But I think that's going to be like one of the biggest things to look at is seeing how effective that is and keeping your pitchers kind of more fresh and and able to throw the ball better.
0: Yeah. And one thing I've wondered about that is I've seen that piggybacking type of style and, you know, especially low level minor leagues, They'll, they'll do that to make sure everybody gets to innings that they need and everything. But what I'm curious about is, you know, he, Ike said, you know, we're going to do this. They're going to go through the lineup twice. Does it totally go out the window if you have a bad first inning and they bat around? Or, you know, how do you handle it at that point? Because not everything's going to go according to plan in college baseball. You're going to have some games where you just don't have it. You're going to have some games where a team is just, you know, that much better than you. We we might see that in Tallahassee this weekend. Who knows? Well, what do they do if – you know, you're midway through the second inning and the team's already gotten through the lineup twice. Like, does that throw everything out the window? Does that throw off that plan?
1: I mean, he talked about the bullpen being pretty deep, so I think he's prepared for that to happen in a way. And and knowing, I think he definitely wants a starter to get through at least like three or four innings and kind of the first guy to let that second guy, you know, get loose. But I think a guy like Justin Schultz or an older pitcher will get probably a little longer of a leash than maybe some of the younger guys that are going to be out there. But I definitely think that, they're prepared for it in a way, and especially since they have position players that really haven't pitched in the last couple of years. Now coming out of the bullpen as well, they they've got a lot of a lot of arms on the staff, so it should be interesting. I just think that if it's the second inning, and they already went through it twice. Do do they let them go through three? I don't know. Depending on I guess the pitch count and what the what the game looks like at that point.
0: And the flip side of that is the opposite. What if you got a guy who's mowing them down, sitting them down in order? You get through four, five, six innings, and you know they're just now getting through. the be ordered a second time. Yeah. And you've got a guy who's pitching that well. You you still stick into that. He you, he's still doing
1: it. I think early in the year, yes, you stick to it because the fact that they haven't thrown like I mean, Jamie hasn't played the full schedule in two years. And so now they've got a long season. So I don't think I think if you see a pitcher next Wednesday against George Mason, if you see the starter go out there and throw five innings and two hits, I think they'll still take him out just because it's early in the year and they want to kind of build their arms up. But I think if you look at it later in the year and they realize like they can make a run for an at large, but definitely I think they'll they'll, they'll go with the guy that's hot at the time. But early in the year, I don't think maybe if it's like really throwing and it's like an older guy, but it definitely if it's a younger pitcher, I think he would he would definitely come out earlier than that.
0: Yeah, and you you've talked to Eikenberry. I haven't really talked to him about this, so I, that's why I'm kind of asking these questions. I'm pre, I'm pretty curious about like you know what happens when things don't go according to plan. Um, and obviously the weekend we talked about the weekend three game series, but you just mentioned playing a team like George Mason on a Wednesday. How, they're still the same thing. We got a midweek starter, and we got two midweek starters, and it's mm. these are our guys, and we're we're still sticking to the piggyback thing.
1: Yeah, so there's technically eight starting pitchers. Is what he said. So you got yeah. the three on the weekend, which is Showalter, Donovan Burke, and Joe, Joe Vogatsky on the weekend, and I he didn't name who the Wednesday the midweek starter would be, but he's going with that approach every game because every game is basically the same thing for them since they can't make the CAA tournament this year. So yeah. he's going with it. And so next week they've got George Mason and Farrelly Dickinson on the weekend. So winnable games even if they drop all three this weekend.
0: Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, um, how he can use that pitching rotation then you know, down the line as the season goes on. Say say you go with a you know, Showalter on a Friday, and he plays really well. He pitches really well. He gets through his time without throwing a lot of pitches, is he a bullpen guy the rest of the weekend? Potentially, if you, like, you know, the the pitch counts are low. I mean, that could go for anybody, but, you know, just throwing his name out there, like, it seems like there's some flexibility, but it seems like it also, like, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see that handle all all that, because it's it's not something you see at the college level a lot. Um, And, like I said, can can you start to mix things up a little bit as the season goes on? If you recognize this is, like, a really important series for us, as, you know, mm-hmm. we look at our season. We're not playing the CA tournament. This is, you know, a key series for us to do anything. How much do you kind of mix it up and, you know, guys who are starters maybe can also come out of the bullpen or anything? I, I, I Like I said, I haven't talked to I can bury about this. Like, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see, I think, how they end up using all these guys when you say you've got eight starting pitchers and maybe they don't pitch a lot in a given week.
1: No, yeah, he was saying that he can mix and match based on the opponent. So you might see... Showalter. Well, Showalters will be your Friday night starter, but then the guy that's the second pitcher could be the last week he could have thrown on Sunday as the second guy. So I think they're going to mix and match that that second piece, um, but they're really, I think, locked into those first three guys, being the Friday, Saturday night starters, and basically opening up those games and giving JMU a, a good start to the game and letting them get into a point where they can win it. And, I mean, they've got a tough schedule parts of the way. They've got Florida State this week. They've got two games at Tennessee later in the year so. They got some tough games coming up on the schedule and then you go in the CAA play after that. So I think it'll be interesting to watch and we'll definitely see this weekend against a good Florida State team what, what this pitching staff can is really made of.
0: Yeah. Alright, before we wrap it up, I'll get you give me another prediction, your prediction on JMU baseball. Is this a twenty five win team, thirty win team, thirty five win team? Better than that. Like what are you expect it from this sure? year?
1: Well if they wanna make this a tournament they gotta to be a forty one team because they can't okay. when they see a tournament. But I think if they live up to the potential, and you have the best bet in college baseball in the center field. I think they're a 30-ish win team, 35 wins. I think they can be on the bubble for the NCAA tournament if they can lo- live up to their expectation. They have to win some of these big games, though. I think they have to take maybe one game this weekend. Maybe They don't have to win the first week, but they definitely if they don't, they're going to have to win a game at Tennessee. You're going to have to go into a place that's hard to win at and, and w- kind of build a resume there, because it's, it's baseball's it's a longer year than basketball. You definitely still need to kind of beat teams that are not delaware or something
0: like that all right hey well thanks noah i think we can uh wrap this one up today that was the uh purple and bold podcast with uh noah and shane no cody today i think he'll be back next week and we'll talk uh some softball probably get back to some basketball and stuff but you know it seems like the football news and the conference news never ceases so maybe we'll hear some more about conference usa and the Sun Belt and everything between now and then but for now that's uh that's Noah Fleischman, and I'm Shane Metlin, and that was the uh, Purple and Bold podcast. Thanks for listening.